Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining us today. We have a great guest with actor and performer, Margaret Burris. She's awesome. We have a really great chat. I also want to let you know that we have a newsletter. It goes out every Monday, and it is done out of a hope that it inspires you to pursue comedy or acting. It has tips for comedy writing or pursuing acting or pursuing comedy, and it also has health tips or what I call life-balancing tips, like things you could do around the house or things you can do with your day so you can accomplish your goals. It's The whole idea is to inspire you, and there's different ways to inspire you in each newsletter. It's free. goes out every Monday. We have a link in the bio for you to check that out. I hope you do check it out. We, this week, released one that had an article in it about how to not say um and uh and words like that all the time when you are interviewing someone for your podcast, or doing a public speaking engagement. Things like that are in the newsletter to help inspire you, and I'd just love to share that, so I hope you check it out. On to today's episode, we have Margaret Burris, and we mention her husband a couple of times. Her husband is Davey Gardner, who's been on the podcast a couple of times. They're both really funny and hilarious. And she was so fun and great to talk to. We talk a lot about acting. So if you are pursuing acting, this is a great one for you to check out. And we really get into the weeds about auditioning. And it has a lot of really great advice. Let's just get right to it. Here's my chat with Margaret Burris. Before the pandemic, we were doing stuff most nights of the week, it seemed. And then it went to nothing. And so then it was like two nights a week. And it was like, ah, that's. That's enough. I don't need any more nights out. Yeah, I know. It's true. But we're also, we're old. I'm married, (laughs) you know, washed up. I tried to do, so like one of my big first outings was going and trying to do stand up, which like I've done maybe twice, like way, way back in the day and learned quickly it was not my vibe but for some reason i was like that's what i need to do and uh-huh. i went and i tried to do stand-up about like planning a wedding and like picking out china like and to a sea of young 20 somethings that just found me detestable just unrelatable no one liked me crickets it was i like came home and had an absolute meltdown i was like oh uh. So old. Where was the set? BCC. It's a great open mic. It's called Ladies Who Ranch. Mm-hmm. They're so nice. People do like characters, stand up, like such a nice group of people. And there were older people. I just think, I don't know. I don't think like marriage material was the, the vibe <laughs> of the night. Wasn't the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I see what you mean. I don't know. It just like freaked me out. I was like, maybe I should stop. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've noticed that I think a few people who have not done 
stand-up but have been doing improv and sketch have recently tried their hand at stand-up. I, yeah. I wonder why that maybe that was just because stand-up was going on when improv wasn't because improv theaters were like yeah no thanks mm -hmm. I don't want the liability during Omicron you know like I yeah I get it but I guess maybe that's what it was I mean was that part of it yeah I think that's it well I mean for me a little bit so last year I went and saw I guess my first live show I have some friends that have this audition for Just for Laughs, like most years, the Montreal Comedy Festival. Mainly my friends do the character showcase. So my first live show post-pandemic last summer, anyway, okay, I went and yeah. saw the, the callbacks for it. And it was mm -hmm. like, I was so stoked. Everyone was so good. I was so excited for everyone. And... I also felt like wild having because they were doing the callbacks at Asylum, which used to be the old UCB Chelsea Theater. So it was wild being back in that space because that's where I used to do all my back in the day when I performed. Yeah. And Allison Cohn, who's a great comedy casting director, was in the audience. And I've submitted some stuff to her in the past. But we were talking after the show and I was like, I'm so jazzed. Live theater's back. This is so fun. And she was like, actually... It's been back for a while in the stand-up community. The stand-ups have all been doing outdoor, like, bar shows. She's like, I've been seeing a lot of stand-ups, and that's basically all I've been pulling from for casting, which I found really interesting. So I guess the, the takeaway is that stand-ups are really resilient, and improv and sketch people kind of hide and don't, <laughs> don't make it happen. <laughs> I don't think that's the take-back for me, because, like, I mean, I know you're kidding, but, like, I, I do see someone saying that for real. And, you know, it's really theaters versus someone yeah. saying, well, this bar is open. I'm going to just do a mic there. And they don't, their hands are kind of clean of anything because all they have yeah. to do is, is like set up the mic and the people running the bar or the restaurant are the ones who have to check if someone's vaccinated when they come in. But like um, I used to do improv in bars. I think it has to do more with like oh. groups of people, you know? Oh, I see what you probably, mean. Yeah. It's probably easier to book a show with a couple of stand-ups rather than, you know, go to the Triple Crown and stuff into the basement and have a bunch of people get up on, you know, it's hard to regulate that with like vaccinations and stuff. So True. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's easier to get a show together. If you have eight comics, that's all you need to do a show. Yeah. But if you have eight improvisers, they'll be like, I'll do a set. Yeah. I'm not going to do two hours. <laughs> well, do you know what I've done? I've I really just hit a wall with not doing comedy. Like one, I haven't been doing live sketch. And that's what I kind of have been doing the past few years. Right. And two, I was missing improv. So I signed up for an improv 101 class. Good. <laughs> at the Magnet and Rick Andrews is my teacher and he's great. great. It's like so yeah. fun, but it's like kind of silly because like after the first class, people are like, have you, have you done this before? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, I've been doing it for many years. Yeah. That happens just because the nerves aren't there to go out there and just initiate a scene and they'll be like, oh, they just did that. And I guess it's easy. <laughs> Completely. I also think like it's been I think it's been really good for me because I've been missing improv and was trying to figure out like, oh, how do I want to do it? 
there are some like rules and basic things that I've just forgotten. Yeah. Like initiate a scene where you know the person. Like I don't know. Like that's so basic, but I just hadn't. I needed a reminder of that because so I feel like that is, once yeah. you get through training, you kind of start doing practice groups and you just do zany improv all the time and you forget like what actually makes a good scene. <laughs> yeah. You're totally really right. And that's the experience I've had when I've retaken a level one and it's a great reminder. Yeah. Definitely. I encourage more people to do that, quite frankly, just because you do you put it a perfect way, you get kind of used to the team or, or people you're performing with or your style and you can start being kind of zany and or, or really going for it in certain ways. You're like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm not really yes Andy. Yeah. Or I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm not really utilizing some things that make the scene a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. Or just like some of the scene work. Also, I really appreciated the way that the magnet teaches versus... UCB, although I love UCB, this isn't me like shitting on it, but I think that I've, I really love like naturalistic, build the scene based on like emotion. You don't have to immediately name everything that's going on and find the game. You know, it's like, I found that to be really fun. TJ Same, and Dave, yeah. have you ever seen TJ and Dave? I, I've seen them live twice and I have their DVD, but someone has not given it back and I can't remember <laughs> now who it was. I let borrow it. So I don't have the DVD, but yeah, I love, I mean, Dave Pesquese is one of my all time favorite improvisers. Yeah. I would say that that's, that is like beautiful improv, just so patient. And then like allowing the story to just evolve and it's closer to acting than anything else. A friend of mine did an online class with the groundlings and then kind of poached a teacher to teach us just some of the advanced level stuff, some of my friends over Zoom. And they also do really nice, it's theirs is more character-based. Have you ever done stuff with the groundlings? I have not. I do know that they're more character-based though. Yeah, like basically the game is more centered around a character's like silly choice. So like everybody has to make like a like a physical choice or um the way that they described it is the spine of your character. What is the quote that would be the spine of your character? So like maybe it would be like I'm so great. And so then like how do you create a character that has a spine that's I'm so great, you know? It's Okay, interesting. That sort of reminds me of Paul Valencourt's triangle of the scene where it's like you have a deal and I have a deal and your deal is who your character is. Mm -hmm. What is their deal? What's the thing that they are doing or feeling? Yeah, definitely. And that helps so much because it does help create a game because you are going to interact with your scene partner a specific way based mm -hmm. on what your deal is and what their deal is. Yeah, completely. Agreed. In agreement. <laughs> <laughs> Are you jazzed about improv again? I do feel that there was a time when people were sort of, I mean, it may have been online improv sort of sucked it out of people, but I feel like I'm only right now getting back to the passion that I had for yeah. the like nuanced 
ways that you can approach improv and all these different things. Completely. I feel like my journey with comedy in New York was so like goal oriented that I'm trying to reapproach a lot of my interests with just a level of like curiosity. Like I moved to New York because I used to go to DCM when I was in college and I was like, I want to do UCB. So I, and then it's like, I want to get, I met Molly Lloyd and I saw her booking commercials and I was like, I want to get a commercial agent. Like got the commercial agent and I was like, okay, well now I want to do TV and film and I got that rep and it, I want to get on the team. I was auditioning. It was all like, I don't think I was soaking in what I loved so much about it. I was really like chasing after steps I thought that I needed in my career. And now it's great to be represented. I'm so happy with all the people I've met and all the training I've had. But now I'm like, I feel like I didn't marinate in what I loved so much about it. Like being in a one-on-one class, I'm like, you know, and seeing people create scenes that I've never done it before and like the joy and same with writing. Like, I feel like I, people used to just be like, write your own stuff, make your own opportunities. And I was like, yeah. So I was like doing it because people told me to make my own opportunities instead of like being genuinely interested in what I'm writing. Maybe it's just that old married wisdom, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, there's so much to unpack there because it's something I've seen and experienced from so many people. And it's the whole hustle culture thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're, there is no purpose for doing it. It does get to be like, well, people said put a YouTube video up a day. So I have yeah. to do a YouTube video a day. And it's like, but for what reason are you even doing it? And I'm not even mm-hmm. talking about goal oriented. I just mean, why do you feel the need to do that? Yeah. And if it's just because people said so, well, what has that got to do with anything? You know, and we yeah. end up burning out just Completely. trying to beat this grind. That leads to nowhere in many cases because we didn't have a purpose or a reason that we are doing it. Yeah. I also think like something that I have learned just with time is like authenticity. And, you know, I would come into these, you know, I, I keep talking about auditions, but like ultimately my goal is to be auditioning and booking TV and film. And the auditions I've had, I've just brought so much um eagerness and like making uh this is audio i'm like making hands where i'm i I call it i call it choking the bird i don't let the bird fly i'm just like like, oh yeah yeah and people feel that energy they're like whoa this girl wants this and that means she needs it and we don't need to cast anyone who needs this right i think if i had just maybe just been a it's so easy to say like in retrospect like or it's something I'm working on, I guess, is just being more available and present. Being present yeah. and appreciating where you're at and, and enjoying each stage because it also like rests your mind a little bit mm-hmm. to not be constantly thinking about the future and how is this going to work? Because how many times, I mean, we're both actors. How many times have you had to stop yourself from, like if you saw how much a gig that you're going to, submit for you haven't even been called to audition you see the amount of money and you go don't think about the money because it's so likely you're not going to get the gig but if you get caught on like this is going to mean this for me and uh, Mm -hmm. if i get 
People do that all the time. If I get on a house team at UCB, then I can get on SNL. And it's like, they don't add that many new people to SNL every year. Like the chances are so slim. Mm -hmm. And there's, I was just saying this to the guests that we just had on the podcast, but he was talking about how when he was at IO, there was a teacher he had that said, every couple of months, there's someone who comes into our lobby, they've sold everything, and they've come here thinking they're going to be Tina Fey. Mm-hmm. And we have a lobby full of them, and they're not going to be Tina Fey. And some people might hear that and be like, oh, that's so defeatist and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. To me, it's empowering because you should be who you are. You might be more successful than Tina Fey, but even if you're not, there's a whole lot of success between where you are now and Tina Fey. Like there are people who aren't famous, but are making a living in this industry. So why are we chasing, well, I got to get on SNL because that's the only thing that's going to matter. No, it's not. Completely. It's really not. It's not. I mean, it's like hitting the lottery, getting those very niche jobs. It's hard to get. Oh my gosh. I so relate to you to looking at the payment. Like I immediately like picture myself in like star-shaped sunglasses, like walking yeah. off the plane, you know, like I'm <laughs> I'm picturing it. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like a helpful step for me, I I had a, a manager before the pandemic that didn't really game plan with me much, like didn't see big picture where I was going, was really focused on just booking as many commercials as I could. And I switched it up. And I have this new manager that is just so convinced it'll happen for me eventually. She's like, I don't know. I kind of see maybe like you playing a mom down the line. She's like, it's going to happen. She's like so confident in like my life having this career rather than it being like, tomorrow I need to book something. She's like, I'm in it. She's like, honey, honey, I'm in it for the long haul. I think you're great. You know, it's like such a nice, it's Uh, something that I need to hear because I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, life is long. And, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I could be a famous grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you never know what's going to happen and we can't get married to the stuff that we know about. Because Mm -hmm. there's so many opportunities out there outside of what we know can happen. So, you know, just like pave your own way. I'm not saying this to say, so don't try hard or don't be focused. Like you still have to be focused. Yeah, yeah. You still have to make an effort. But some people are turning it to 11 when it just doesn't need to be. And they're, they're burning themselves out mentally thinking about that sort of stuff. And it doesn't help them. It doesn't, it just doesn't, I don't think, I don't think it helps most people to think of it that way. Yeah. Also, like, I'm not going to lie. I'm still like that. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> there's like, like right now I'm practicing being really happy. Um, but there are days I like wake up and I'm just like bummed that I'm not heading to set. Like there are days I'm just like, okay, Hollywood, where are you? I'm here. You're next big thing. And I get really annoyed about it. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's, that's the yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> that's the tweet. It's just like, yeah, I think like I feel ready to take on certain things. Mm-hmm. And I've said this, I said it to Davey when he was on your hubs, 
Mm-hmm. The last time he was on, I said, well, you've worked so hard and, uh, you know, you're always like writing and working so hard. And I was like complimenting him. And he said, you know, I'm going to push back on that a little bit. I wish I had given myself more of a break, <laughs> you know, like I wish I I hadn't been like that about it because I didn't need to be that way about it necessarily. And I get what he's saying because he's essentially saying, I don't need to stress myself out over what the outcome is going to be. You know, you write the sketch so you can get an idea out and so you can hone some skills, but Mm -hmm. it's sort of like going to the gym and working out. Even a professional athlete, they're focused when they're in the gym and they're, they're challenging themselves. Yeah. But I haven't heard even the ones who are like in the gym all day say anything like, oh, if I don't, if I don't do this, then I, I won't get a, the championship this year. That's, mm-hmm. that's not how they look at it. And I yeah. feel like a lot of actors look at it that way, where it's like, if I don't do this, then I'm not going to get that. It's like, oh, you need to just do this because it's good for you to do right now. Mm-hmm. Or you just enjoy doing it. Like, yeah, I guess that was the point. I find myself creeping into the like scarcity mindset of like, where's this, where's that? And not reminding myself like so many things that I have done or that I've built for myself or created people I have all around me that I could just pick up the phone and make something with. Like there's, it's just, it's funny how you can start to convince yourself you don't have anything. I mean, that's also coming off of some really tough years where we were super isolated. But mm-hmm. did I did Davy tell you I have a nine to five now? No, I don't think so. I am a working woman. Ooh. <laughs> I work from home and work on a computer. But you know what's helped me? What that job has helped me do is not look at the money when I have an audition. Right. Because now I'm like, okay, I'm have a paycheck and I have benefits and like I don't actually need this income. I'm just like interested in maybe collaborating with people oh that's cool yeah but it's such a funny job because it's like a bunch of comedians and actors work there (laughs) like a bunch of comedians like i could probably list a few off and you would know them it is such a funny i had a job like that where it was like everyone in the department (laughs) i was in it's like ucb and magnet yeah it's so fun it's so dumb i'm like look at all of us like doing computer (laughs) (laughs) it seems like some people can put someone in a corner an actor in a corner like you got to choose but you have not had to choose well this job is a unicorn because i'm part of a team so they need me but there's people that can cover me so like i booked a commercial And I just told my manager, who's also an actor in L.A., hey, I booked this commercial. Oh, my gosh. So excited. Let's get your calls covered for tomorrow. You can book out like I'm book out, but like block off my schedule. And then in terms of auditions, as long as you're working eight hours a day, you can have those eight hours be whenever. So I have a chunk of like three hours in the middle of my day that's just free that I usually do my auditions in. Oh, cool. So I work in the morning and the evening. But some people work nine to five. Some people work because it's work from home. So right. I'm, I'm just doing like self-tapes or, you know, voiceover auditions. And it's great. It's so yeah. crazy. I didn't even know this life existed. I like kind of <laughs> want to tell everybody. And I'm like talking about it on a podcast now. But I'm like, I don't want 
I'm like, you don't have to starve. Find a good work from home job and make sure your manager is an actor. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I need. I need that unicorn job or just like one of the millions of things I'm trying (laughs) to just work out. You were mentioning that sometimes you have to remind yourself of the things that you've done. Yeah. And you have done a ton of awesome things. Like you've been on the truth podcast a ton, doing voiceover stuff there. And mm-hmm. I see that you're in your, I've been in your apartment and I know that you have a voiceover booth. I see it through the screen here. So you're doing that kind of work. You also, you mentioned sketch, but you had, you're in Boogie Manja, one of the popular sketch troops. Is that the fair way to, it's because it's kind of an entity. It's not like a, a theater the way UCB was a theater, but it was a troupe that was doing a bunch of stuff and had a few different teams, right? Yeah, yeah. We were mainly at The Magnet, and then that closed down. But over the pandemic, we started doing digital sketch, which actually was so fun because Alec Cohen, I don't know if you know him, but he's such a great videographer. We He was our director, so we, we shot a pilot over the pandemic randomly oh, wow. and did some really fun sketch stuff. Anybody out there, plug Pagliacci sketch comedy, check out our digital. No, it was it was really fun. And then I think we're going back to live shows soon. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah, Yeah. we we saw a couple of your shows and, you know, you're super talented. That was one of the things that we like Justina and I, but also our, our other friends who are on our indie team, we're always like, Oh my gosh, she's so funny. She's so talented. <laughs> so nice. Well, it shows that you have done so much just seeing you on stage one time. Mm-hmm. You have a presence, but you're also, I, I guess, trained is a good way to, to put it. Like you, you clearly know your way around the stage and around performing. Yeah. Before New York, were you doing a lot of theater? Were you doing comedy at all? Because you're, you're yeah. from Tennessee. You went to UNC. Uh, yeah, so I was, I was like a child actor. So I did regional theater growing up in Nashville. Would like miss school to be in productions. It was super fun. So I like learned at a young age that I could like be paid to play. So um, <laughs> I didn't ever not want to do that. I like had an agent for a bit and then I really wanted to play soccer so I put it on ice for a bit and then continued into high school mainly just like high school theater productions and then went to UNC did shows at UNC and then fell in love with sketch and improv there okay the Chapel Hill improv players is a pretty well-known improv group if i might say so sorry that sounds like such a brag Brag. no no it's Uh, it's i can tell you're joking and i just i I laughed on the inside so not to interrupt thank you you, thank you i was i was the best kind of laughter internal (laughs) um i was also going to ask if you did anything because there was it's since uh been closed for uh you know reasons yeah. But there was Dirty South. There's DSI yeah, was there. DSI. there. Isn't there something else there off campus in Chapel Hill? I think it was just DSI. They used to have a really fun improv festival that a lot of people from New yeah. York would come down for. Yeah. Um, and I went to it. I went up to it a couple, couple few times. I mean, like yeah. 2015, 2016. 
I wonder if we ever crossed paths at that festival. Oh, maybe I sat in the audience of one of your shows. <laughs> I don't, I have no idea. Were you, what years did you ever go there? I was at UNC 2010 to 2014. Okay. 2014, I did a stand-up thing, but it was kind of like after all of the main part of the festival. So I doubt you would have been at that. And yeah. it was 2015 when I really was there in like an mm -hmm. improv capacity. I don't know if I ever went back except for when I was in school. Mm -mm. But yeah, it was such a fun, I, I mean, college. Did you do improv in college too? I didn't. Oh I mean, gosh. I had an I had an improv class, yeah, but it wasn't like they had us read Truth and Comedy, but it's not like we were utilizing anything in that other mm -hmm. than yes and. I mean, college improv and sketch shows were so fun because they were just like sold out. Everyone was like so into it, but we did like the dumbest comedy, like only games. You know, we did this <laughs> one called Try. Have you ever played Try That On for Size? I don't even know if that's what you call it. Basically, you start doing a motion, and it's like you're going like this, and it's like, huh. I'm climbing a ladder. Try that on for size. And then the other person's like, I'm a cat scratching a pool. Right. Try that on for size. And like, right. oh, my gosh. And everyone just went crazy for it. It's like the most <laughs> basic ass improv. But it was fun. And then I got to New York, and I was like, okay, where are the crowds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't that weird coming to New York and the shows? Stand-up and improv, I assumed, were more well-attended. Because <laughs> I was like, it's New York. Of course people are going to comedy shows. So then I go, and I'm like, it's just comics here, or, or just the improv teams here. Yeah, I know. And, like, I mean, in college, it was, like, these huge student auditoriums or, like, giant theaters. And then, like, in New York, there's not venues like that except no. off-Broadway stages, and that's hard. It's like we're right. going to do improv there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, the coolest thing that my college troupe did was we raised money during all our shows to then fund a big trip that we would always take to Chicago. And we would go and do classes at Second City and IO and go and see a bunch of shows. We'd pack like a ton of shows into like a four day weekend. And oh my gosh, it was so fun. Oh my gosh. Well, the good old days when you're like are experiencing improv for the first time and you're like, this is incredible. <laughs> it is. And, you know, I, we just had our five-year anniversary here. And I, I was just thinking back to, like, when I first started improv in New York. And it mm -hmm. was like, ah, the good old days. It's kind of fun and nice that you can still have good old days when yeah. <laughs> the older you get. You know, like, the good old days is not just college, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've... I was journaling the other day and I was like trying to think of a time when I was just like really like com like just so confident. And I think like those first like that first year I was in New York, I was it was like I hadn't had enough like nose and I was coming off hot from college. And I just I was so confident going into, you know, you're in classes and stuff. Just I do miss I do miss being a little cockier. I feel like now I'm like, there's a lot of good people around. Uh, oh, can... for sure. Yeah, no, that I've I feel like I've experienced a little bit of, of both of those because when you're leaving, especially I feel like when you're leaving the South, 
mm-hmm. like a smaller place is all I really mean, not necessarily the South itself. But coming from Greenville, South Carolina, there are a couple of friends who are like, oh, I hope I see you on SNL, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And like first week here, I'm at a sketch show and I'm like, there's absolutely no reason <laughs> I would be on SNL when this person <laughs> exists in this city and it's been here a while. Like why in the world? <laughs> I know. I I have to say that the comparison game is one that took me a while to really wrangle that green-eyed monster. I just, I had such a hard time, even like friends of mine having, I think it was hard for me to go through UCB for so long and, and fight to get on teams for so long and not start to get like, yeah, jealous or annoyed at people. I feel like with, you know, time heals things. And then honestly, with all the theater shutting down, it was like, oh, we're all on the same boat now. And I think that was a lot of what I struggled with as well when I was younger, just feeling really like, not like wishing anybody not well. What is, what's the opposite of not well? Bad. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But do you know what I mean? I think like it's hard, you know, and you're watching these shows. Like when I was younger, I looked up to it and I was excited by it. But then once I was in it, and I was in New York trying to be there, I lost some of the joy of it. Yeah. I wasn't able to like watch a show and be like, this is so fun. And like, all these people are amazing. And I'm so happy that person knows how to do that. I mm-hmm. was like sitting there being like, okay, um, so the next time I'm doing a show, I will make a move like him. And Right. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And there's sometimes the team is so good that it gets me out of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. like, like, I don't know how much you've seen megawatt teams at Magnet, but Body Work is that team for me. They're just like hands down my favorite improv team, just yeah. like anywhere, not just at Magnet, just like any improv team I've seen. They're my favorite mm-hmm. because they're so good and they're so funny that I'm I'm just laughing deliriously. It's like my brain doesn't have time to be like, oh, well, you're not as good as Colin and you'll never be. My brain just doesn't go there. I'm just there for the ride. It's like watching 30 Rock. It was, I was just taken away and on the ride and not thinking at all. (laughs) I was just laughing. Remembering those moments of, oh, this is just so fun is pretty nice. And I feel like we kind of had that when the theater started to open back up before Mm -hmm. Omicron. But then when Omicron took that away from us, I think it jilted us or or jaded us Mm -hmm. in such a way that it was sort of like going back to the theater was sort of like, okay, is it gonna be, is this real this time? Is it gonna, like we're all still in the, in a hesitant phase of it. Which kind of sucks. Yeah. I know. I feel like I still haven't, felt back and yeah and i think everyone's kind of feeling that way agreed yeah but also i'm bounced back mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now we're in a war not to go there but like i mean yeah i split my nail and it like has been painful so i went and got my nails painted to make uh-huh. it better and the woman painting my nails was like something about the war on the news came up and she was like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. I was like, I know. She's like, you know, and after COVID and I was like, I know. And she's like, you know what? She's like holding my hand. So it feels like, like very intimate anyway, you know, cause she's painting it. She's like, right. you know what I tell my son? You have to be happy every day. 
because you have no idea what tomorrow is going to hold. And I was like, okay, stranger, thank you for this moment (laughs) and reminder. For sure. Yeah. Even if we just have to take a moment and say, okay, this is making me happy. Like I I saw this funny thing or I saw this nice thing and Mm -hmm. I feel happy right now. Maybe that is the only moment that day but at least you're acknowledging it. And, and if you can do that every day where you can say, I was happy today. Mm-hmm. It was for a moment, but I was happy today. Then that I, that's got to make things a little better. Completely. Completely. I mean, even, you know, now that I'm a nine to five woman, sometimes I'm like, oh, about work. And Davey has a new job and he does something about work. And then today I was like, you know what? let's say three nice things about our job right now. And then we did it and then we were both like, I love my job and went back to work. Like it's such a like <laughs> silly thing, but I think positivity. That's nice. Yeah, it's nice. It's good. It is. And like, there's so much that's, so many people are intentionally being negative and there's so much mm-hmm. negativity out there that I wonder sometimes if people are a little addicted in some way to negativity. I mean, yeah we already know how social media uses the algorithm. It like preys on the fact that we are more likely to engage with something negative yeah. uh, than something positive. So there must be something addicting about it, but in a, in a world of so-and-so's be a such and such, you know? And I feel yeah. like in a world of like hateful, I don't know, Marjorie Taylor Greens, like be a Mr. Rogers or something, you know, like it's, yeah, that's just, it seems like it'd be better for your soul to to focus more on the positive. I know. And, and with the effort of making things better, not with the effort of being oblivious to the bad things. That... Yeah, completely. <laughs> but I, I feel that way sometimes, like, politically. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look at what the two parties stand for. One is obviously a smiley face and the other is a frowny. And like, <laughs> co- let's choose the green light. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it seems so <laughs> obvious to me. Like one leads with love. The other leads with just like closed off, like, like yeah. grumpy. That's such a funny, but also astute way to put it. <laughs> Because like, I and I feel like there's so many people who maybe tend to vote for the smiley face. There's so many people on that side now who are, who are going like, that smile isn't big enough, though. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. You really want Grumpy McGrump to win again? Is that what you want? <laughs> At least this guy's smiling. Ugh. I know. I know. Ugh. Sometimes we got to take what we can get. It's true. Which, you know, kind of relates to the acting world, not to <laughs> abruptly change back to the subject, but <laughs> it, it is a, a job and just an endeavor. Yeah. Going into comedy is an endeavor, whether you have professional desires or not. And then mm-hmm. acting is obviously a professional desire. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of no's or we, we have a lot of mistakes or a lot of failures. Yeah, And that's not a bad thing necessarily, but it sounds like what I've gotten from you is you are learning to chill and not worry so much about that stuff mm-hmm. and more accept where it's at and the, the beauty that is where it's at. 
Yeah, totally. Are you auditioning? I am. I don't audition every day, unfortunately. I mean, um, who does? I don't know. <laughs> I, <can't, laughs> I had this thought the other day. And it's, you know, maybe not me practicing positivity, but I was sort of like, you know, some of this, sometimes the job of an actor is just auditioning, which what good is that doing when all you're doing every day or every week is auditioning? And it's like, why am I being negative right now? It's great that I have this opportunity. Yeah. It'd be nice if it worked out, but who knows what's going to happen with it. It could be a casting yeah. director who's like, oh, I've seen this guy before. I like him. Completely. I'm, I'm going to talk about my favorite person ever again is Molly mm -hmm. Lloyd. I took a class with her and then started babysitting for her. When mm -hmm. she had her, her baby, I would go and meet her at auditions and hold her baby while she went in. And then she'd come back out. We'd go to the park together and kind of catch up. She's just, like, so incredible. But she books, like, these incredible national commercials. Like, girlfriend knows how to book. But she told me, told me once that... She tries to see auditions as just a fun opportunity to act. Oh, and that's so nice. Yeah. yeah, she was like, it's just fun. It's an opportunity to be creative. It's what we love to do. And I'm like, okay. Not all of us <laughs> shit rainbows, but. <laughs> that is a really great way to put it. I hadn't thought of it like that. The, my thing has always been with auditions, it's just like, Hey, just go in, uh, you know, be as professional as you can be, be prepared. And uh, when it's done, forget about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I like her approach better. I mean, it, my approach kept me from being like distraught every time. Yeah. Um, but her approach makes it an exciting thing, a fun thing mm -hmm. and something that's a little like more uh, like encouraging, but also like you know, you're being creative. So it's helpful to you and, you yeah. know, and like sharpening your creative skills. Totally. And like extra bonus points, if it's a great script and you have a great reader and then you can actually like do some fun scene work even better when they give you a redirect, you get a chance to do it again and practice your skills. Like I feel like reframing it that way. i Unfortunately, self-tapes has taken away the collaborative component, in my opinion. Like, and same with, like, Zoom auditions sometimes. I feel like I get there. I'm like, oh, this is fun. It's fun to get directed again. But I just miss being in the room. Like, I miss the butterflies and sitting around seeing everyone in the waiting room, bumping into <laughs> friends. Like, I miss yeah. the social part. Have you been auditioning in person? I haven't auditioned in person since before the pandemic. Everything yeah. has been self-taped. Which is, you know, it, it's somewhat nice just because if I was doing something else, it's like, okay, I can just do this real quick. And, and yeah. Or when I was in South Carolina for the holidays, I was able to just, you know, audition real quick and I wasn't even in town. So that was yeah. nice. Totally. Yeah, you can be wherever. I did get one in-person audition, but I declined it because it was an audition for a commercial where I would be standing next to a replica of my vagina. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And they're like, it won't be your real one, but like you'll be the face like dancing next to like a large felt <laughs> vagina. Is this a, 
Was this a commercial or was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it was TV, that would be a different thing. I'd be like, yes, what is that show? Sign me up. No, this is for some like, I think it was for a contraceptive thing. But it's like, I was like, there are some things that I cannot bounce back from with my very conservative Catholic family. And I think having my face next to my genitalia is probably that. <laughs> That's funny. Have you had an audition where you're like, this was so bad that it's hilarious? Or just like, here's a thing I hate about auditioning <laughs> that happens every once yeah, in a blue moon. There was, there was one near the High Line. And it's just like this very impressive, like super tall ceilings, like beautiful casting studio. So it's always really fun when I, and usually the auditions there were like, union really exciting so mm -hmm. i used to get very excited and i think that's where eager beaver came to play i was always coming in like Hi! <laughs> um, but i i went into audition for this like i think it was like hubba bubba and the spot was that i was someone skydiving and they had a huge industrial fan that they blew on my face and i had to just <sighs> scream as this fan was kind of blowing back my cheeks and they want, they're like, we want really expressive faces. We want you to just be like screaming your head off. But, and then as I was doing it, they'd be like, and now you're finding it funny. And now it's scary again. And I'm doing it. And then at a certain point, I like, my I could not anymore. So I was like, I stopped and I was like, is that it? And they're like, you're still falling. You're keep going. I had to raise my hands up again, open my mouth, scream some more. Like it was, wow. that was one of those auditions. I like walked out of the room. My hair was like, blown everywhere my throat was hoarse and i was like this job is humiliating like this <laughs> is yeah a humiliating profession <laughs> it's just so silly <laughs> oh my gosh wait i have i have another really good bad audition oh story. please tell me kind of similar but it's oh my gosh it's even worse so i got called in and the spot was that i was someone who was chained up uh, on this like wheel all four of my limbs were like like spread eagle and they were cranking and like tearing my like limbs apart you know like pulling them apart i was being tortured and in the scene i was supposed to be crying and begging my father to let me go and then it says the thing cranks and then you let out a blood curdling scream that was in the script okay so I like go in, they're like, okay, great. So like stand against the wall, have your like arms and legs spread out, just like, you know, and action or whatever. They don't say action in auditions, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> and camera rolling, sound speed. Speeding. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, I'm crying, I'm doing the scene and then I, here comes a blood curdling scream. I let it out and you would have thought the the way the casting directors jumped at my scream, one of them like clutched their heart and they were like, oh, okay, stop. Um, thank you very much. That's enough. That's enough. And I was like, okay, okay. So then I walk out of the room and the casting director comes out after and and talks to the whole room and he's like, okay, just as a note to the actors, this is following me, as a note to the actors, um, this girl isn't actually being tortured, okay? She's pretending and she's trying to trick her dad. 
Um, not in this was not in the script. I was not given that direction. Like, wow, it was so crazy. So, <laughs> I get I get so thrown off sometimes when I'm reading a, a like a, one of the listings, and I'm like, this is so unclear what they want me to do, or they're asking you to do so much, and you're like, why are you asking me to do so much? Yeah literally just like give me two lines to read at least you know like they're not they're not giving you any lines to read they're just like uh, pack a bag i want to see you pack a bag what is this <laughs> for <laughs> this is not the in the commercial or whatever yeah no and i think like you know commercial auditions are like a whole other thing it's just like the things they make you do in commercial auditions but for legit auditions yeah. it never makes sense to me why they don't just tell you like why didn't they just write at the top of the sides that give me an indication that she's trying to bamboozle her dad like you know <laughs> right, what i mean right. they give you just so for some for scenes they'll just give you the scene they won't give you the whole script sometimes right. you can request it from your agent and they can try and figure out a way to get you it so you can know like okay where does this scene fall in the storyline and you know what's happened before but for small one-liners like girl who gets tortured on medieval crank machine or whatever <laughs> they just give you like a snippet a portion of the script and so they don't right. like they don't even give you they don't give you anything there's no context there's absolutely no context other Ugh. than like the age of the character and what mm -hmm. type they are, but it's no like mentality that is, they're, they're not saying like, oh, this person's really stubborn and uh, they're trying to get back at their dad. Like they don't say any of that kind of stuff. Mm -mm. It's just like a uh, 30 year old, uh, he's cool <laughs> or, or something vague like that. Yeah, and then you get vague. the one line or sometimes it's really just the line. <laughs> and there's there's no in, there's no other information. It's just like it's... cop, and the line is like, "Hey, you stop!" And so it's like, "Okay, so is this cop angry? Is this cop kind of funny? You know it's what? Like... What do you want?" Okay, well he's saying, "Hey, you stop!" So I guess he's a little like being stern, and so you say it that way, and they're mm -hmm. like, "Oh, uh, the cop's been shot." So <laughs> what? I didn't know. That doesn't say that here. Yeah. Or like there was this one role I like got called back. I got pinned. Like I <laughs> I was going to play this sex worker and didn't get it. Was disappointed. Watched the episode. The character was completely cut and they hired a young pimple faced pizza boy to do the lines. I was like, what the actual so hell? I was like, how did this happen? Like, where did this guy come into the casting? Like, you know, was he uh, it just I was like, this is so whatever. That's funny. <laughs> silly. I haven't had any auditions that night. I did have one, though. This is when we were still in person. There were like two people standing there, and then there was a person who was sort of guiding me when I got in. They're like, yeah, you're just going to act like you're carrying something, and you drop something, and you just like say something to your Alexa dot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, vacuum the hallway or something like that. And I was like, okay. And so I just like act through that. Alexa, vacuum the hallway. They're like, let's do another take. It's like, okay. And then I do another take. And then that person said, looks at the two people who are standing there and says, do you have any notes? And this one guy was like, yeah, can you say it a little more like 
nonchalant. Like you're just talking to your Alexa in the air. Okay. So I do that. And he's like, maybe I wasn't clear. Like, can you just kind of look down briefly and then just say, Alexa, vacuum the hallway. So I do that. And he asks for it again. So now I've done it like five times. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't changed the words he's using to direct me. Mm-hmm. But he gets enough takes out of me. He was like, okay, you know, I guess we're, you know, I feel like we're, we're good. And I feel like he was almost like, frustrated but also like we've got enough we've yeah. got five takes fine yeah but then the other guy goes well you know actually can we get another take where you like sort of look at it nonchalantly and then just sort of say <laughs> alexa clean the hallway and i was like i was thinking like you mean what i did just five times you want me yeah. to do that again you mean the thing that he said three times yeah <laughs> just do that all right so I did it and he asked me to do it again. And I'm like, dude, if I don't have it, just let me leave. You know, I'm just oh, thinking this. Gosh. I didn't say it. Yeah. But it's just like, like, what what exactly do you want that I'm not giving? It's not like I was going, Alexa, you have to vacuum the hallway. Like I was just going like, Alexa, vacuum the hallway. You know, like just nonchalant, like they're asking, but that wasn't the sort of nonchalant they wanted oh my god i'm sure they were like throw it away that's what always they they always say that yeah just do it again and just throw it away (laughs) throw it away nonchalant like what so this is how i talk to alexa every day when i'm cooking (laughs) like i'm using the same tone how am i doing it wrong (laughs) i'm saying it the way i say it in real life it feels like um, they wanted you to do that exercise where you're like, Alexa, vacuum the hallway, vacuum the hallway, like, you know, like, <laughs> like trying to David Fincher me into like, yeah. do the take so many times until you can't do it unnaturally. I know completely. Well, you know what I find borderline offensive, but I still do it is how much improv sometimes these mm. commercial mm. commercial auditions will ask for and i'm like at a certain point you gotta give me a writer credit like it i am giving uh-huh. you gold here but like yeah. i you know and i again i'm gonna shout out molly but molly really advocate adv- advocated yeah advocated mm-hmm. for union actors to get writers credits because she oh, would cool. she told me that she would like her and other great improvisers would, would like see some of their language that they had done in auditions like in the final spot <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. and you know no i've heard that actually uh christina Grosspeach was saying that on this podcast a couple years ago that uh that's exactly why they do it is so they can have like just new dialogue that's fresher because they they run out of ideas I guess I don't I don't know yeah I think that is not a good practice if you like their lines so much you should have hired them Mm -hmm. if you weren't gonna hire them don't use their lines that company has a lot of money so either pay them for the line Mm -hmm. or don't use it or use the actor and use the lines but don't yeah don't pad your script with a bunch of extra takes that you got for free. Mm-hmm. I had an audition, a callback, where the director told me, he was like, okay, do that one thing you did in your first audition. Like, I tried to get the girl before you to do it. 
Oh, uh, I tried to direct her to do it, and she she thought it was weird. I was like, okay, <laughs> first of all, it's not weird. It's hilarious. And they're <laughs> <laughs> like, don't tell me. Like, I guess that's what happens in casting. You see things that you like that you want other people's to do. People's people to do. <laughs> well, it's been a great chat. I've loved this whole conversation. I feel like we've got, we've gotten into some really fun and good stuff. Yeah. Let's create something together. I want to pick your brain about auditioning, like mm-hmm. approaches to it, because some maybe some things need to be demystified, but certain things also, maybe people could put their best foot forward with a little better advice. Yeah. What sort of advice would you give someone for auditioning? What are the, the checklists of, that they need to make sure they're doing that you, that you think mm-hmm. they should be doing? I mean, what kind of auditioning? Oh, I guess that's a good point. Yeah, I was thinking like commercials or TV, you know, like. like Yeah, I would say so for commercial. I mean, first of all, like everything's self-taped now. So I think it really makes a difference to have like a non-distracting background, good lighting and good sound. I'm not just filming on my phone because I feel like I'm get I I got a new phone, the new I <laughs> I got a new iPhone. And that like that does the trick, but even like like natural lighting, I have like a pop-up screen. But I I think that that is pretty key. Like get get yourself a pop-up screen. They're only like 40 bucks. Get, you know, if you don't have a nice phone to record on, get like a cheap digital camera a tripod, like get the stuff so that you can be competitive. Cause the thing that for commercial and for television, you're competing with everybody, everybody now, because everyone has access to these auditions across, you know, people in LA are auditioning for New York shows and people in LA know how to produce good stuff. You know, there's a, for every one actor that doesn't have, you know, a, a screen, there's 10 actors in LA that do. So I think don't take for granted the technical stuff. Like do your, just don't like, I just would say, do yourself a favor, get, get a, a screen or a non-distracting wall, stand by a window with good natural lighting or get like a soft box light or something or a ring light. I don't know. That's my, that's my first like technical advice in terms of like acting advice, commercials, just uh, take an improv class and make it your own. Try and make it funny. I feel like most commercials want to be funny these days. Um, yeah. Like if they try and make your slate kind of personable. But um, honestly, don't put a lot of pressure on it because commercials are really loosey-goosey and they want people that are like natural and having fun for legit auditions. Be off book. I like to record my lines on my phone and then, you know, learn my lines by just saying them back and forth to myself. Like the opposite lines, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, make sure that you have your eyes up with your reader. And I'm just talking about technical stuff. Like for for acting stuff and character choices, I I work with a coach. So a lot of it is just doing a lot of investigating of the script so look at the page number and see like okay this is a hour-long drama the scene is from page five okay this is going to be a scene where i 
like probably explain a lot of like the setup for this story or oh wow this is a scene that's on page 40 and it's super intense like this is probably the height of the action of this scene and I need to probably bring a bit more umph to it like there's some like invest yeah some like investigating stuff that you can do with scripts that I think is helpful also like messing around with like the non-cliched version of doing the scene like the other week i had a scene between like a husband and a wife who were fighting and i was so excited to like just go there and just be pissed and then my coach was like what's the most powerful thing to do in a fight and i was like (laughs) say a really mean comment and he was like no like actually like how do you and davy fight and like what do you do when you're trying to make the biggest point and Eventually I got there. I didn't get it the first time, but I did notice, and this is what he said, silence. Like when you're fighting with your spouse and they say something that really pisses you off, you're quiet. And that tension, that is a fight. And that is a real marital, like love fight. And then we did the scene where, and I added some silence and I didn't go there in that cliched way. And I was like, oh, this is this is what they mean when they say make a choice. You know, the choice is the real choice that you would make in real life. Right. Yeah, I would just say, like, general note, look at the technical, read the script back and forth, look at all the stage directions and do them. I feel like I used to teach a kid's acting class, and I was in a studio for a while for, like, film and TV. And the difference it makes, like, if it says pick up a box and places it on the counter. Like, just do that in the audition. It gives you something to do. Like, don't ignore the the directions and just say the lines. I think a lot of it's, like, pretty people know how to do it. But to me, it took me a long time. I'm still learning how to audition for TV and film. What am I saying? <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's still, there's always so much to learn. And then people say, like, well, this is industry standard now. And it's like, why are they changed? It's still acting, right? Mm-hmm. But... You know, it changes, so, like, I guess being up on that helps. Yeah, I mean, like, commercials, truly the, I just care less. Like, the only commercials I broke are the ones that I'm like, I don't want this. Or, like, this is dumb. And then I get it. (laughs) And then TV, truly TV is, like, the ones I do the most work on. The ones where I, like, Mm. know my character, I know my lines, I like have fallen in love with the scene. I've I know exactly why I'm wearing what I'm wearing, what I'm doing. Yeah, I think just phoning in TV auditions is not not as good as for commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. Well, there it is. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, Margaret. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, my gosh. There it is. (laughs) Kaboom. Oh, my gosh. She's so funny. I hope you enjoyed that chat. I also hope you enjoyed the horror stories about auditioning. (laughs) Oh, auditioning. They can be wild, but it's fun. We love what we do. Check out her episode of The Truth Podcast called Married Alive. Really great episode. I've mentioned it a couple of times on this podcast. Definitely check that out. Also check out her Boogie Manja sketch team, Pegliacci. You can go to boogiemanja.com slash Pegliacci and find out more about what they've got going on. Also, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod. And follow me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes and on Instagram at Jason Farr Picks. Links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other.
The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.